I love using Pinterest and of course I care about the environment and eco-friendly living. And one thing that I see a lot on Pinterest is about living a zero waste lifestyle. And I've always imagined zero waste as like you literally produce nothing like I could or I could fit like all my trash in like a little jar or something like that. So it seemed like such a daunting challenge and I've always been interested in doing it and this year I'm like okay I am going to start doing it and and track my journey of doing it. So when Alexis Smith reached out to me she is a zero waste warrior that's what she calls herself. She wanted to talk about zero waste and I was so excited to speak with her about this subject. Alexa is only 20 years old and she already wrote a book on zero waste. I can't even believe it. I was proud of myself for writing a book and I did it when I was like 30, 38. So she is a real go-getter and really knowledgeable about the subject. She gave me some tips to get started and she really inspired me to to try the journey. And we actually talk about how not extreme it is, but I kind of want to try the extreme version. So I'll keep you up to date on that. But I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Alexa about what zero waste is circular economy, corporations that are doing great things, and what you can do to start going zero waste today. Before we get into the interview, I just wanted to say there were a couple of times where we had connectivity issues, so please bear with us. I don't think any information was lost, but there might be some delays. I'll try to edit those out. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice, all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. Or something. Okay. Hi, Alexa. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Hello. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have some good conversations today. So you actually reached out to me about zero waste, and this is a topic that I am super interested in because even though I am a conservation biologist, this topic is still a little foreign to me and especially like how to go about it. So can you first explain what zero waste is and then we'll yeah. and then we'll get into the details of like how we start doing it. Totally. Yeah. So the definition I like to go by is by this group called the Zero Waste International Alliance. And it's sort of a lofty definition, but I have it here in front of me, so I'll just read it off. It's the conservation of all resources by the means of responsible production, consumption, reuse, and recovery of products, packaging, and materials without burning and with no discharges to land, water, or air that threaten the environment or human health, which is... Wow, a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. But essentially how I think about it is it's trying to make resources the most efficient they can be and reduce waste in any way possible. So traditionally it's thought of by like material resources, conserving those, but some people also consider it reducing energy, reducing water usage, all of this, all of these things that are essentially wasted. Okay. And 
when I think of zero waste, I mostly have heard of it or mostly have seen it like looking at Pinterest and like bloggers and stuff like that. So, and like, I, I, I see, you know, titles like, like having a zero waste lifestyle. Does that differ a little bit? And what, what does that look like? Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because there is sort of a misconception or the way that, you know, society is viewing zero waste right now is a little bit not true to the core of what zero waste is. And a lot of times it can be sort of whitewashed or made out to be something that's unattainable, extremely expensive, and not really realistic for an average person's lifestyle. You know, not everyone has the time or money to grow all their own food, make all their own cosmetics and things like that. But it's really just this idea that we can be resourceful and even like the skills-based things that go into zero waste, like knowing how to repair things, knowing how to repair your clothes when they, you know, get a hole in it or something like that, or knowing how to properly recycle, although that's not necessarily like the end-all answer. Recycling is definitely sort of like a temporary fix. It's really just sort of like the larger concept that we should be conscious of the things that we use on a daily basis and try to reduce our disposable items. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because I always got the impression from going zero waste that like you literally produce no waste. Is that <laughs> is that something that you have done? Like when people talk about going zero waste, like I I I think I've seen like you know like either like like a little tiny trash trash bag like they hold up like I produce this much waste <laughs> in a week uh-huh. or in a month. So can you talk about what that lifestyle would look like and have you ever tried to do that? Yeah, yeah. So actually, when I was kind of starting off this zero waste venture, I watched a popular TED talk that you might have seen by um, a woman named Lauren Singer. And she essentially collected all the trash she produced in three years in a little mason jar. And I think it's a really powerful symbol for the movement, but it's definitely not, you shouldn't take that and say, oh, she doesn't produce anything else in her daily life. A lot of things are like the majority of things that she uses are compostable or recyclable. And so these are just the things that would end up in the landfill. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely an extreme of people who probably just don't use recycling, any recyclable products or compostable products are different because they're sort of biological and break down. So I don't think there's that much contention around using those sorts of things, but Yeah, I'm definitely not perfect in my own zero waste practices. I still, it's really hard to avoid plastic a lot of times, especially like just in America, a lot of things it's, it's hard to avoid that. But yeah, I do my best to invest in like reusable containers for when I go to the grocery store, or there's a ton of online resources where you can buy products that are specifically zero waste. So all those things can be repurposed or recycled. A lot of times they come in like glass containers and things like that. So yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. And when I was thinking about going zero waste, I was thinking like you, like I have to make everything from scratch and from food for food. You're, you're so right. Like I try to reduce my plastic use so much, but if I, you know, buy like like tofu or like any, cause I'm trying to be, or I try to be eat more vegan cause it's better for the planet. If I buy any sort of like the fake meat or anything, all that stuff comes with plastic. And really the only way I could think about going zero waste is if you have, if you go to a bulk store and you bring your own bags with you and like fill your, your bags with beans and rice and lentils mm-hmm. and stuff, because even cans like can have plastic lining them in them and everything. 
Totally. Yeah. I have definitely started to take advantage of the bulk section. I'm also vegan. So I do realize though that a lot of times, at least in my area, the bulk section tends to be a lot more expensive than buying things that are traditionally packaged, which is unfortunate, but just kind of the way things are right now. So I definitely say if you're nervous about going zero waste because you can't be like the perfect zero waste person or, you know, representative, it's sort of like veganism. Like it's better to be, you know, an attempting vegan than just completely like neglecting the lifestyle and like imperfect vegans or imperfect zero wasters. Basically their cumulative impact has a really positive benefit on the environment. So I kind of think of it in a similar way. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, sorry, I'm, I think my connection's a little bit slow. I always say like, it's better for, for most of us to try to go towards vegan rather than to have people be like absolute vegan and you can't mess up. And if that scares people off, then it's better to just, to just try to go vegan. And it's, it's unfortunate that it has to be like so black and white or, or we perceive things as so black and white. So you are super young. You're, you're 20. Is that right? Yeah. And you already wrote a book. So your book is called an economic eclipse and it's all about zero waste. Can um, you talk about, well, first let's actually talk about how did you become so passionate about this topic and then what led you to writing a book about it? Yeah. So I have kind of an interesting story on how I got started writing the book, but as for my interest in zero waste, it was something that really just aligned with all of my values. I think that sort of the core values that went into it were my interest in conservation, my interest in conscious decision-making and then creativity. So I'm currently uh, a rising senior at my university and I'm studying natural resources and environmental science. So conservation has always been something that I'm very passionate about. And more recently in my studies, I've gotten into sort of like environmental economics and different theories like cradle to cradle design and thinking about the environment like actually in play in society, which is something I think is super cool that like sustainability studies are so interconnected and really give you a systems thinking approach to life. So that was something that kind of led me towards zero waste, obviously, because it's all about conserving resources. And then as for like the conscious decision making, I actually grew up with my best friend's family and they have this company called Lifebook. And they essentially encourage you to make decisions that go towards your goals that you create the visions you create for different areas of your life. So they kind of lay out 12 different areas of your life. And you really just think about what are your purposes in these areas of your life? And what is the strategy that can help you get there? So I realized that sustainability is super important to me and conserving our environment and zero waste was just a natural strategy to help me get there. And then also creativity because the, I don't know, the different strategies that we use to achieve zero waste really require a lot of creativity, whether that be on the business and entrepreneurship end or just on a personal level. Like if you're interested in creating your own skincare products or things like that, you have the opportunity to do so. So it was really these things that kind of created my interest in zero waste, I guess. When did you first hear about this concept? Do you remember? Or was it just something you Um, like 
grew up with? No, no, it was definitely not something I grew up with. My parents are, I mean, they're not against sustainability or anything, but they're not, it's not something they're interested in. I honestly want to say it was, I heard it in passing, just like on YouTube, like you were mentioning, there's a lot of just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, click on this video. It seemed really cool. But Lauren Singer was the one that really um, opened my eyes to the concept. I went to like a virtual Earth Day conference last year and listened to her speak about why she's so passionate about zero waste. And yeah, that kind of sparked my interest. Cool. And then how did you come up with the book idea? You said you have an interesting story behind that. Yeah. So, so last summer I was studying abroad actually in Greece last spring. And when I came back, I had like an internship lined up, but it got canceled because of the pandemic. So uh, I just spent a little time, actually a lot of time just scrolling through different job recruiting sites and all these student newsletters on what I could do over the summer to just, you know, learn more about myself and maybe gain some experience. And there was this program called the Creator Institute, and it's run out of Georgetown University. And they have an entrepreneurship professor who kind of opened this program out. Anyone can be a part of it once you apply. And essentially, they help you create something that you know, kind of furthers your career path or, you know, tons of people have different goals for what they want to do and create. But so I originally went into the program wanting to create an online course for students at my university to learn how to live more sustainably in their dorm rooms, learn more maybe about cycling, composting, energy usage, all of this. And so I had a call with Eric Custer, who is this professor that runs the program, like right at the get-go. And He said, you know, I think you have a lot of great ideas and you're clearly passionate about what you're talking about, but he kind of challenged me to do something beyond the grounds of my university and do something that could maybe further my career or help me learn more about what I'm interested in. And so that was sort of my gateway into creating this book. I decided that I wanted to learn more about sustainability in business and different practices that businesses can use to reduce their impact on the planet. And that sort of just led me into uh, this idea of the circular economy and zero waste. And so here we are about nine months later. It was a very, very compact period of time that this happened, but we've got the book right here. So yeah, that's amazing. Were you nervous about writing a book at all? Totally. Yes. 1000%. (laughs) I, yeah. When he first brought up the idea of writing a book, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, I'm 20 years old and what do I know? Why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? But I really just kind of went into it as a learning experience for myself and learning about different, you know, businesses that are trying to be more sustainable and embody this idea of zero waste. And it wasn't really until like last December that I actually realized like, wow, this is like actually going to be a book. This isn't just personal research. So yeah, really cool. That's great. I'm that's, that's amazing. I, I wrote a book too, but I w- waited till I was like, I guess 38, 39. But the cool yeah. thing nowadays is that you can self-publish and that's actually what inspired totally. me. Well, I got advice from somebody because I was thinking about writing an ebook And they're like, you should just write a book. And then at the same time, I was listening to podcasts and they happened to be talking about self-publishing. And I was like, I guess it's like writing a really long blog post. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. Do you plan on writing more books in the future? Yeah, I 
kind of realized through this process that I love, I mean, I've always been a writer. Actually, I published my first, <laughs> I published my first work in fifth grade. We had like a little uh, poetry competition and it got published in a book, but <laughs> anyways, yeah. In the future, I definitely want to write more because I think it's like a really cool way to be an environmental activist and maybe draw more people in who might be otherwise uninterested. Not necessarily in the near, near future. I think I want to finish my degree first, but yeah. Do you have any advice for drawing, especially young people in? I do have to say, though, that young people do seem more interested. But as I'm sure you're aware of here in the United States, we're incredibly wasteful. And with COVID, a lot of the like plastic free movement kind of went out the window. Like, do you have any advice for for getting people um, on board with zero waste or getting them excited about it? Yeah. So a lot of my friends are, as I mentioned earlier, not super interested in sustainability, but they just kind of see the passion that I have for it. And that's what like led a lot of them to start reading my book. And I think that afterwards they had sort of this shifted mindset. So I think that learning from people who are clearly passionate, especially if they're close to you can be a really powerful thing. And also I think that So I took this like environmental writing course last semester, and it talked a lot about how a lot of the discussion around environmental change that's happening right now is sort of negative and just spewing statistics, which isn't really realistic and won't cause people to change their daily habits. So I think that being more tactical on like how we have these discussions, being more encouraging and changing it into sort of a dialogue of positivity and the new opportunities that can come with zero waste is something that could help more people become interested in the movement. Yeah, I'm so on board with that. The conservation movement in general just tends to focus on negativity and there's research to show that 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 turns people off. And I mean, it's super hard because, you know, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle, but you're right. Like we have to be positive and optimistic about it and get people excited about it to, to get them on board. So you mentioned a couple of times that like, it's easier to be zero waste if you are wealthier or you alluded to that. Can you talk about some things that people can do if they are from a lower income bracket? And, and, and kind of dispel that myth that like you don't have to be wealthy to, to participate in this movement. Yeah, I am very passionate about environmental justice and it would be irresponsible of me to say that it's not, it's not equally as easy to be zero waste if you're from a lower income community. Because especially like with food, there's a lot of food deserts out there and it's not always possible to get fresh local produce or you know, organically grown plastic free products. But I think that there are definitely, especially like in the nonprofit space movements to increase food accessibility and accessibility in general of these products that are less wasteful. So like this summer, I'm actually working with a group called Plant Chicago. I'm from the Chicagoland area. And we have a farmer's market that provides, we essentially pay for half of the fresh produce that people buy so that they can afford locally grown, like zero waste produce. So there are programs out there for sure. But if they're, you know, in your area, if there are not any solutions that fit your financial status or anything like that, becoming an activist is also super powerful and advocating for changes to be made, whether that's 
be in your governmental system or the different services that people do, I think that's also, you know, the root of this systemic change that, that we're to achieve. I'm just going to pause for a second because I think our connection's not, okay, now it looks like it's better. Yeah. And some of the things that you mentioned too, in the beginning, like, like repairing your own clothes, for example, like I, I do that. And even if you don't know how to sew with, with YouTube, there's all these free resources and you can go online and, and, you know, figure out how to, how to sew a button back on or how to repair a hole. Another thing that I think is really great for people to do is to buy used stuff. And I started shopping used clothes and I used to be so against thrift store shopping just because I found it to be so, I want, I don't know if stressful is the right word, but time consuming, you know, like, like if you're in a regular store and you, and you have a shirt, you can just go up and down a size if it doesn't fit you right. But Swift store, it's only one of a kind, but what I really like are, I don't know if you've heard of thread up and the real, real they're, they're online thrift and consignment stores and it sorts automatically by your size or not automatically, but you put in your sizes and you can put in your brands and everything. And so you know, it just presents everything to you. So you can do it at home while you're watching TV or, or whatever. So I, I, I love that as an option. Totally. Yeah. I actually looked into thread up a little bit for my book. Cause yeah, I totally agree with you. A lot of people might not have the time to sift through the thrift store for hours to find something that fits them, or I don't know, they might not have a thrift store near them that carries things that they're looking for. So I think the online community is super great for that. And to kind of go back to the point you were making earlier about repairing items, I think it's interesting that a lot of the skills at the at the heart of the zero waste movement are actually, you know, a lot more commonplace in these lower income communities or marginalized groups, like indigenous groups especially are, you know, they've kind of built their culture around this idea of conservation and keeping, you know, everything local and repairing things that don't work anymore or recycling in any way that they can relying on biological uh, products. So I think that they're definitely at an advantage in that, in that respect. But I think that, as you mentioned, there are a lot of ways that we can improve upon that accessibility. So you talked about companies a lot, and this is something that I'm really interested in as well, because as a as a conservationist and going through like formal science training, I feel like there's this perception that corporations are evil. And of course, you know, they, they historically have done horrible things to the planet, but I also think that a lot of the solutions rely in, in companies. And as you mentioned, like what they can do to make things sort more sustainable. Can you give some examples or talk about some of your favorite companies and, and the ways that they're going zero waste or contributing to a circular economy? Totally. Yeah. So sort of like the first, my book is divided into three parts. And in the first part or phase, I kind of tried to dispel this myth that there really are companies and that the way our economy functions can really be central to environmental change. And so, yeah, there are tons of companies that I think embody this idea of a circular economy and reducing waste. So the way I like to think about it, like, for example, if you had a little triangle or something like that. And 
at each point in the triangle, you had a different consumer good, like food, fashion, and plastic or something like that. And looking at sort of the intersections between these two, these are some of the most inspiring companies to me. Like, you know, one of the companies I talk about is at the intersection of food and fashion. And this company is called Orange Fiber. And what they do is use orange pulp from the juicing process because like one half of the weight of an orange or something like that is wasted to get orange juice. And then they extract the cellulose from this pulp and use it to make uh, fabric essentially. And they sell it to different companies uh, to use in their design. So I think that's like a super cool way to repurpose waste in a way that's not just going back to the same use, but really increasing collaboration between industries and finding new unique ways to use waste products. And that's kind of what you were talking about when you talked about creative solutions, Mm -hmm. that we don't have to just rely on traditional methods. And with all these increasing technologies and everything, there's a lot of opportunities to make things really interesting and creative. For sure. And I think with the idea of zero waste and the circular economy, it's pretty much essential that we shouldn't just be sending this waste back to the people who created the products in the first place. And we really need this fluidity uh, between companies, industries. There's a ton of like companies out there in themselves that try to increase this cooperation between industries to repurpose waste in a new and unique way. And is a circular economy the same thing as zero waste? Like, and we've been talking about both of those terms, or can you talk about that and differentiate what, how it's different? Yeah. So they're essentially the same thing. They're very similar. I would say zero waste is more individualized. And a lot of people like myself might decide to go zero waste without really interacting with other people or just kind of taking the change upon themselves. But a circular economy is uh, very, a very systematic approach and involved in specifically talking about industry and how they can work together to keep resources and materials in use. I would also say the circular economy focuses a little bit more on the design of products in the first place. So There's a lot of very interesting uh, ways to think about design so that they can be, you know, easily disassembled so they can be recycled or using materials that won't uh, need to end up in the landfill. So it's more of a holistic approach, I I would say, for the circular economy, whereas zero waste is kind of an individual choice. You mentioned recycling a lot, and I know that recycling at least in the conventional sense, like how we think about it, like you put your bins out and your, your city collects it. And then the plastics are sold. Well, they used to be sold to China, I believe. And then China said they're no longer taking the plastics and all these other countries are sort of overwhelmed with plastics. And I read a statistic that something just like 10% of plastics are recycled that we put in the recycling bin. So can you, can you talk about that? Like, like I know plastic or recycling is part of this. Like, what do we need to do to improve recycling or can we make recycling work for us? Like, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause I think as I've become more immersed in this zero waste culture, recycling is sort of like a last ditch effort. Yeah. Of course it's, it's 
important given the circumstances without companies that offer like take back services for their products or things like that. It can be useful, but you're right. A lot of times, I think I also read a similar statistic statistic that like 14% of plastic is recycled, but only 5% is actually reused into a valuable product. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times recycling, especially with plastic results in like downcycling and it's not, you're not necessarily guaranteed that a water bottle that you put in the recycle bin is going to once again, be used as a water bottle. It could be used for like a lower grade plastic. So I think that the other challenge with recycling is that municipalities are different in what they can and can't recycle. So it's not there's not a generalized consumer knowledge as to what can be recycled. And I've experienced this with my own family. There's a lot of confusion oftentimes on what can I actually put in the recycle bin. So I think that just by increasing consumer education on what recycling actually means, it's not, it doesn't mean that this water bottle is going to once again be used as a water bottle. It's a lot more complex than that. And there's a lot of material loss through that process. Yeah. And I, I so agree. And with the point that you brought up about recycling is kind of like the last thing. And, you know, the, the phrase mm-hmm. goes reduce, reuse and recycle and reduce is really the thing that, that people don't really focus on. I mean, it's kind of a, I guess it's not really that sexy of a topic. <laughs> don't spend, <laughs> don't spend money, don't buy things, but it really is the important. And, and one thing I like to stress is it's not necessarily that you don't have to buy anything, but like, you know, you have a, a set amount of money that you spend. So it's better to spend maybe more money on fewer products so that they last longer or that they're from those companies that do good, which, which they tend to have more expensive items because of the built-in sustainability with their company. So what, I'm going to ask for two tips from you. What do you think is the thing that people can do that will have the biggest impact? So there's say there's somebody start to wants to go zero waste and, and you just tell them one thing to do. Like, what do you think is the one thing they can change in their lives that will have the biggest impact on the environment? Oh, okay. That's a good question. I would say sort of elaborating off of what you were saying, it's sort of ambiguous, but just rewiring our purchasing decisions. And Mm -hmm. there are a lot of different frameworks you can use to sort of combat that instant gratification that we get from purchasing items. So one thing that one framework that I've heard, there's a family called the Carter family. They're kind of big in the zero waste space. And what they do whenever they go to the grocery store or whatever store it is, just ask yourself three questions, which is, first of all, do I actually need this item? Second of all, if I do need this item, is there an alternative that I can buy that produces less waste? And then third of all, if there's not, how can I properly dispose of this item so that it doesn't end up in the landfill? And so I think that Thinking even about the end of life of the products that you buy when you're purchasing can have a huge impact long-term and just being more conscious of reducing the amount of things that we're purchasing in the first place and buying things that won't be non-recyclable or non-reusable is the most important thing. Yeah, you're so right. That's actually a really great series of questions to ask yourself. Like I've, I've been out with friends or my family and we like... 
I don't know, get coffee or, or ice cream or something like that. And I'm like, I'm going to have to use a plastic spoon for this. And I don't, I don't always deny myself, but I do run through that. Like, do I really, really want this knowing that this is going to end up in a landfill forever? Mm -hmm. So that is a really great exercise to, to do. What do you think is the easiest thing for somebody to, to get started? So they're, they're wanting to go zero waste and they're super lazy. Like what is the easiest thing they can do? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Initially my thought was investing in reusable things because that's sort of the first thing that I did on my journey, just getting like glass jars so that I could put like my bulk items in or getting reusable grocery bags so that uh, I wouldn't have to use plastic produce bags at the, at the store. It's a little bit more challenging than I would think. As my mom likes to point out, she oftentimes forgets her reusable bags at home or something like that. So I think if you can invest in those items that automatically reduce waste and then put them in places that you'll remember or, you know, keep, keep a bag in your car, keep a bag at home keep a bag with you in your bag or something like that can really help you just instantly be able to like reduce waste easily and not have to worry about that. So what are you hopeful that people will get from this book or what are you hoping will come out of this book? Yeah, that is a question that I've asked myself really throughout the entire process of writing and struggled to like put a nail in exactly what I want people to get out of this book. But I think that there's really just this stigma around waste that it doesn't go anywhere past the lid of our trash cans, or we don't really think about how it ends up in the environment or how the things that we're contributing to our environment every day really has a compounding impact. I think there was a statistic I read that the average American produces about five pounds of trash every day. And a lot of us don't really, I mean, prior to writing this book, I didn't really think about how much waste I was creating. So I really just hope that by reading my book, people are more conscious of how much am I contributing to the landfill and how does that then impact our environment? Because a lot of my friends and people that I know who aren't necessarily interested in sustainability are still very compassionate about, you know, those videos they have of turtles being pierced with straws or six pack rings ending up in marine ecosystems, but they don't make that connection with, hey, I'm using products every day that are creating plastic and this eventually can end up in uh, garbage patches or even just the landfill. So yeah, that's what I hope people ultimately take away from, from my book. Yeah. And they can pick up trash too, when they see it, that's something I do on my dog walks is I, cause I make, make those it. connections. And if I see something that can cause harm, well, even if it can't, I usually pick it up and, and put it in the trash or I'll make sure I cut like the strings of masks. I've seen people or masks laying on the ground and I'll cut the mask strings to make sure animals don't get tangled in it. Shoot. There's something else I was going to say maybe it will come back to me. <laughs> so uh, you are, like I said, you're really young and you're, you're still in college. Where do you see yourself in the future? And you can go out as far as you want. Like maybe, you know, maybe you have an idea. I see you on a TEDx stage as well. So, so that's awesome. Oh. Or a TED stage. <laughs> I see you doing that. So what else would, is in store for you? Yeah, that is a dream for me to be a TED speaker. I'm also really interested in creating a podcast myself or just some sort of, 
I'm in the process of creating a blog, but I love to continue to release content so that people can, I mean, there's only only so much you can fit in a 300 page book. So there's a ton more that I have to learn and a ton more I have to share. So I love to continue that process. As for like career wise, I'm also interested in different like circular economy research hubs. And a lot of these are like hosted in Europe, which is interesting, but I'm also really just an advocate for traveling. So I'd love to learn about how other cultures are approaching zero waste and different innovations that are going on um, in the space. So yeah, hopefully that's also a part of my future. Yeah, I think Europe is is definitely more advanced and motivated than than the United States is. I remember what I was going to say, like when you were talking about going or not using as much waste that like sometimes you have to be kind of aggressive about it too, because in the United States, like people just hand you plastic bags and... Even I've even had experiences where I'm like, I don't want a bag. And they're like, are you sure? Or they put it in there anyway. And I'm like, no, I don't need a bag. And they're like, well, I already gave it to you. (laughs) It's like, well, you can use it for the next person. So sometimes you do have to be, I mean, not mean or rude, but yeah, it does take like some speaking up and, and some preemptive action as well. On your note about podcast. If you can write a book, you can definitely do a podcast, doing a podcast. It seems like it's like so much, I actually want to do a podcast about doing a podcast. It seems like it's so much work and that, and, and a lot of people think it's like really tech heavy, but it's not all. The only thing I have for my podcast is a microphone and everything else you can get for, for free. Really there's free software that you can record your voice to. Even the first two podcasts, I was so frustrated because my microphone I was using this different microphone and like, I didn't have the right SD card for it. So I ended up just recording it on my phone. So, so yeah, you can definitely start your own podcast and I can give you some advice on that. So that is fantastic. I look forward to seeing your podcast and thank you again so much for, for being on. And I'm just really excited to see where you go. Thank you once again, Alexa. I love talking to you about this topic. Her book is called The Economic Eclipse. Sorry, An Economic Eclipse. And I have the link available in the show notes of this podcast if you want to order it. You can find her on LinkedIn and her website is alexacsmith.com. Thanks so much for listening today and make sure you subscribe so that you can hear my future episodes on going zero waste and how I do the extreme version of it and how easy or difficult it is. And maybe you guys can join me on my journey as well. Thanks again, guys. Have an amazing day and be kind to animals and be kind to each other. Bye. If you liked this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. 
If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at fancyscientist.com. My social media handles are at fancyscientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at fancyscientist.com. If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.